Sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Okay, welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives. I am one of your co-hosts, 24 superfan, Mike Cushing. And I am one of your other co-hosts, 24 newbie, Curtis Perry. And I am co-host number three, 24 superfan and Jack Bauer superfan, Michael Howard. And this week we are joined by a returning guest and uh, hopeful new co-host, Oded Shell. Hello, Oded. It's such an honor to be here, guys. Thank it's, you. It's good to have you back. Oh, Ted, what brought you back for this episode? Uh, I mean, I started I started watching season one when you guys told me about this thing, and I'm, I'm cruising through a couple episodes. And then I get to this episode, and, and I told you, Kush, I was like, hey, man, I need to be on episode <laughs> six. It's like, this was spectacular, and I will work around uh, any complications in my schedule just to lend my voice to this just perfection. Well, thank God you're here. Um, I just I just finished up a pretty wet and wild episode of The Bachelor, so I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about 24, you guys. Is that why we had to wait until now to do this podcast? Because of The Bachelor? God damn it, Kush. Yes, Christ. not because of any of your schedules. <laughs> Don't you dare to be my schedule. I didn't know that, uh, that dudes watch The Bachelor by themselves at home. How, how dare you? Sora was here. <laughs> Look, I have nothing. I have nothing. I have no problem with dudes watching The Bachelor. I have a problem with anyone ever watching The Bachelor. Oh, every woman watches it. I, well, just, I, I, I guess that I they thought... do. I just don't understand why. Wow. Yeah. I think to to sleep with women who are watching The Bachelor. Mm, okay. I get no, that. I watch it because it's a fucking rad as hell show. You guys can eat <laughs> shit anyway. Back to twenty four. <laughs> okay, so it is five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> on the morning of the California Democratic presidential primary, uh, a couple things have happened mm-hmm. in the last in the preceding hour. Yeah, uh, let, let me give it, give us a quick rundown. Senator David Palmer, who is running for president, he's on the trail of his son Keith, who he has just discovered may have been involved in the death of his daughter Nicole's uh, attacker, uh, rapist. Um, he confronted Keith in the last episode, realizes that maybe, uh, he's got some, some more skeletons in the closet than he might have expected. And he, he knows he already has a couple enemies on, on the, on the table. I think we're referring to it as Keith has carried out righteous, righteous vengeance. vengeance. Mm-hmm. He pulled yes. a, a, he pulled a pretty good John Wick on this guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Our terrorist Ira Gaines has shown, uh, shown us a Dan's purpose, uh, which is to shoot Dan clean in the head for mm-hmm. being a very bad. Uh, kidnapper. Um, he kind of like shot him in the like face. Yeah, right, right in the old face. Mm-hmm. Um, Janet, Kim's friend, uh, she at the very la- closing seconds of the show and uh, episode five, she flatlined and her uh, her dad, maybe <laughs> question mark Alan uh, just says, what's happening or what's going on? I don't and I don't understand how this works. And Jack <laughs> Uh, has expanded his circle of trust in the plot to assassinate David Palmer to include his boss, George Mason, uh, because he pretty much had to. Mason forced him into a corner. Jack had recovered a body in the trunk of a car that he needed to ID, along with a terrorist suspect who had ties to the assassination plot. So Mason has taken Pentakoff, our suspect, off to somewhere to be interrogated, and Jack is driving back to CTU with the body in the trunk. So... It's 5 a.m. Janet is fucking dying uh, in the surgical theater. Yep. And uh, Alan and Terry are just uh, watching because that's what you do in a hospital. You watch people die. Yeah. Alan doesn't seem as concerned as I think he should be uh, since her heart stopped. 
Um, so, Alan does not appear to give a single shit about no, the situation. No, no. Um, and you, are you getting a bad feeling about Alan Curtis? Had one since the beginning. So have you? My wife and I have developed what we call the Law and Order theory. That essentially, uh, if I see your face and I I know you from more things than the person that you're with, uh, Hollywood wise, you're probably guilty of something, and I don't trust you. Uh, <laughs> You know, so it's uh, we watched an episode of SVU say this weekend that literally had the entire cast of House of Cards in it. I'm like, I don't trust any one of you sons of bitches. Um, and so suspicious dad, <laughs> I just never trusted. Um, he just never seemed as upset as a dad should be. Uh, finding out your daughter may have had protected sex. She was just seemed thrilled about it. Didn't care about, you know, making sure she was OK in a suspicious neighborhood. Just going to leave and come back. Maybe in a couple hours, I'll be OK. Just, you know. Overall, so, so you're, dude. you are on his case. You are hot on the trail. Of I have been, never have been seen anyone watch anyone that they supposedly knew just dying and not even have a facial expression. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so to be fair, Terry also doesn't seem to care because um, so Jack, who literally called her three minutes ago at the end of the last episode and said he was 20 minutes away, calls her again to get an update. And Terry's Terry's response to Jack's question is of, of how ter- how is Janet doing? All she says is there's been a complication. Yeah, meaning <laughs> like she's dead. She's, she's dead. legally dead right now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I know there's going to be a lot of medical facts running around in this one. Um. And uh, something I learned very uh very early on. My wife is a doctor, and she taught me this about medical shows. Um. A defibrillator cannot in any way, shape, or form be used to to start a heart. It doesn't do that. It just stops in a regular heartbeat. So the horse shit they show you when she's flatlining and just they're just popping her full of electricity, it do you no goddamn good. So uh, good luck. Okay, well we're gonna save that for our new medical podcast. Things that <laughs> TV shows get wrong because I I was also misinformed. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta use CPR to bring that homeboy that, that back there, friend. Otherwise you're fucked. Yeah, well then, and, and Terry gives him shit. She's like, I thought you were coming to the hospital, and he's like, Bitch, I just talked to you three minutes ago. What do you mean am I coming to the hospital? And I have a dead body in my trunk right yeah, now. Yeah, I gotta get this dead yeah. body to see to you. Yeah, so thank yeah. you for b- both those segues. It's been three minutes. Settle down, Terry. And also, <laughs> Jack arrives at CTU with dead body in tow. Um, he hands over both the car and the body to Nina Myers, uh, his compatriot and uh, former Ben fucking partner. He tells us that the corpse has no face. And the fingers have been clipped off and the teeth have been pulled. So Jack's normal go-to identification route has been uh, taken away from him. Yeah, that answers mm-hmm. the question from last time where we asked, why didn't he just take the thumb off? Yeah. Well, it's already been Forensics, offed. baby. Yeah. So I do have one question. We'll get to the, There's more to this later. But why was this man just wrapped in plastic and sitting in the trunk of a car? Well, it was Ira Gaines was expecting uh, Pentecost to dispose of this body. Yeah, yeah, but like if you, you normally do, <laughs> if you'd gone through all the trouble to <laughs> clip off the fingers and pull all the teeth and rip his face up, why wouldn't you just get rid of that body yourself? <laughs> why yeah. would you leave it parked on the street of L.A.? Yeah, especially because because later on in the show, they put the time of death between 11 and midnight. And now it's like five something. Which, 
which means this guy was killed right before the show started mm-hmm. and and Janet had left to get Kim. So and, and he's been sitting in the in the trunk of this car for like five plus hours. Right. So festering. Because you might have find a plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I got I got news for you. Not not the last one in this episode, because I got a whopper that I took some notes on. Weird. Very I could have swore that team. we found the absolute only plot hole like three episodes ago. This is yeah. weird. This yeah. is blowing my mind right now. Okay. Well, so let's just move through this because the first maybe half hour or so of this episode, it's Pretty slow. Boring. It's a lot of like pieces moving in chess to set up the, the final assault. So <laughs> as uh, Jack is talking to Nina, he says, I need you to ID this body. A helicopter approaches in the background. He tells Nina that he needs a favor and to not tell anyone that Jack requisitioned the approaching helicopter for personal <laughs> use. Um, and so... As the helicopter is approaching, Jack calls hospital security to basically lock down Janet as a, you know, as someone who needs protection. And guys, he gets through in about 30 seconds. And I've seen the staffing situation at this hospital. There's one nurse with a fax machine and she's really not interested in helping anybody. I'm calling bullshit. Yeah. Were those security guards packing heat too? They were. Yeah, where um, did these guys come from? No. Just no. No, secu- they're, pin- they're Pinkertons. Security <laughs> guards hospital. at hospitals are one step above security guards at a warehouse. They're not really there to, to, to stop attackers. <laughs> so right. I, I found out something interesting about this this helicopter situation. Oh, God. Apparently, according to some, some cast interviews uh, uh, during the first season, they put in the helicopter thing to basically explain how jack was able to get from ctu all the way to the to the hospital in like five minutes so this was literally the only time in the history of 24 where they gave two shits about how you get from one place in la to the other in five minutes well that's interesting because at the end of this episode i i wrote a note that it took jack 10 minutes to get to ctu by helicopter and at the end of this episode he's about to return to ctu and i was assuming he would they were gonna have him get there in the five minutes at the end of the episode and i was gonna i was just gonna go nuts but so as Jack is getting off and or chopping on the helicopter, taking off, who approaches Nina from the shadows? Oh, fucking Tony. God damn Tony. <laughs> fucking just avoiding <laughs> protocol again. Just go back inside and shut your mouth. Do Nobody your goddamn you job, Tony. Fuck. Oh, God. And shave off that goddamn soul patch. <laughs> mm. So uh, Nina tells Tony to... Stop following me. Uh, to which he says, I prefer like an to think of it as... year old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he says, I prefer to think of it as watching your back. Like a stalker. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, they've been fucking. Yeah. Tony, yeah. Tony's got issues. Okay, Kush, are you on board with the fact that, like, Tony is not doing his fucking job now? You were on... Oh, Tony's just... He's the only one doing his job. <laughs> well, one, your tone can take a fucking walk. Uh, two, I mean... Again, no one is telling Tony to do anything. Like his, like Jack is very clearly in dereliction. You know what? No one told Tony to do: wander outside of goddamn CTU and look at fucking helicopters. So there are a few moments in this episode where Tony, I just want to slap him in the face. This was one of them where he just like happened to follow Nina outside and like, ooh, pretty helicopter. And then there's another one later where he's like clearly spying on an interaction and just a, a real turd boy. Um, but now it's 5.05, and we get a, a real tight, juicy close-up of Dan's dead face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Rick is not handling it well. 
No, he's here's, just... here's actually my favorite uh, exchange in the entire episode is uh, uh, what's our bad guy's name again? Irene. Oh, I know what you're going to do. Oh, yeah. please, I love he's it. Like, I love this so much. He goes, I, I wrote this down. He goes, bury your friend. And then the, the douchebag goes, where? He goes, in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> again, Ira Gaines is a hell of a villain. I love this dude. Ira Gaines so is possibly good. my favorite character uh, so far in this season. Just put uh, him in the so ground, good. bro. Okay, so mm-hmm. speaking of burying him in the ground, so Dan is lying on the ground, mm-hmm. dead, with a bullet in his head. Rick is told to bury Dan. Mm-hmm. Where does Rick start digging? Approximately like uh, 400 feet away from <laughs> from Dan for some reason, as if the place right next to Dan is very sacred ground and we can't possibly dig here. Well, that that's full of blood. I don't want to dig there, in blood. There Gross. were trees in the location he chose. It was very peaceful for Dan slash douche to have his final resting place. Yeah, is he going to put like a Zen garden there or something? Oh, like, man, bonsai trees? Who knows what's going to happen? Well, well, speaking of peaceful... I think we know he's not going to plant bonsai trees. <laughs> And and Dan was high off his shit when he got shot in the head, so he's pretty peaceful in death anyway. <laughs> um, so as Kim tries to reason with Rick and uh, try to get him to help her escape, Rick ain't having it. Mm-hmm. And we smash cut back to David Palmer's suite. Um, it's 5.06 in the morning. Uh, on the TV is a reporter who says that David Palmer's been working on a party unification speech, which he ain't been doing shit on mm-hmm. that front. Nope. Um, and uh, Sherry walks into frame, and uh, we took the camera turns, and we see Carl, the political operative who David has tasked to help him clear up the whole Keith mess. Carl. Carl. And Sherry's just like, what you doing here, Carl? How'd you get past Secret, secret Service? And I want to know how Carl got past Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs> this Secret Service um, detail that David Palmer has is just horrible. He's managed to lose them to get to the parking lot and meet Carl, and then Carl got past them to get to the hotel room. What the fuck are they doing? Well, I assume that Palmer's told them that, like, hey, this dude's okay to come in, because we we see later that Palmer clearly knows Carl's going to be there. Or we all understand how very serious this threat against David Palmer is, because the Secret Service apparently... Ain't doing shit. <laughs> um, so let's just run through this. Let's, yeah, let's cruise. That's, let's cruise real quick through it. Um, so basically, Carl asks, hey, why'd you call me here? I thought we had a game plan. I was handling shit. Palmer tells him the whole thing that Keith had been lying for seven years about the murder of Lyle Gibson, Nicole's attacker. And why would Maureen Kingsley run the story unless it were true? And Palmer realizes that Carl was the only one who, have, who could have possibly helped Keith cover it up. That could have only been you, Carl. Yeah, right. So Carl tells David that Keith came to him, told him that he went to see Gibson and that Gibson had pulled a knife and it was an accident in self-defense that Gibson died. Basically, Palmer doesn't handle this very well. He wants he wants Carl to leave forever. Yeah, Carl basically says that, you know, he did this to protect his career, right? right. And that he would like this would have ended his political career before it even got started. And Palmer says, hey, if this, you know, we could have gone to the police, like if this was actually self-defense. And Carl lays the, uh, yeah. Gibson was white, David. <laughs> Which Boom this time. was yeah. a lot of racial I can't, yeah. very I can't argue with him. No, this, no, really fair. Would have been done. <laughs> Just done. In 2001, especially? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Game, yeah. game over, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I watched the OJ trial and... 
I think he would have been all right. <laughs> well, okay, Keith gonna, never ran. Have, uh, Keith never ran for two thousand yards in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the tip of the spear on the uh, whole. Oh, oops, was he white? Are you black? Uh, argument in this episode. We get into some real shit in the later in the later bit. So let's just cruise on. <laughs> but right hold through. on the the bigger the bigger bombshell that he dropped there was that. Palmer's wife, Cheryl, knew all about it and was behind this whole thing. Exactly. Sherry knew about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, Carl says, before you finish crucifying me, save some nails for your wife. How do you think Keith got to me in the first place? I have to um, I have to question Palmer's judgment a little bit here. He knows Mm -hmm. that Carl is he's into some shit, right? right? He's into some shit. He knows some shit and he just throws him out. I mean, that's, that's a so bold again, move. Again, we're getting some shades that Palmer and Jack are kindred spirits in a couple ways, where if you don't do things exactly by the book, or exactly by my book, you're fucking out of here. Because mm-hmm. uh, while Jack definitely seems to have a regard for the letter of the law, he's clearly willing to act outside of it, and I, we, I, I have the same feeling that Palmer is in the same boat. Jack Bauer you're talking about? Yes, our, our Jack, our friend Jack. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Hody doesn't see it. He thinks this man follows yeah, know, man. the rules yeah. every second of every day. Um, yeah, okay, I, you might have you you might have missed a couple episodes where we were talking about uh, George Mason being tranked in the leg and then Jack cutting a thumb off and, uh, uh, you know, interrogating a co-worker and also having sex with a co-worker, also ignoring warrants. A couple, a few things happened in the, the episodes yeah. that you missed. So, yeah. you know. This is Kiefer Sutherland's character that you're talking about? Yeah. Jack. I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Bauer, I believe, Jack, yeah. is, is given name. Anyway, it's 515. Jack lands in his helicopter. Kim starts to help burying Dan. We see all this in the the uh, multi-shot. And uh, Rick kind of just says, like, we were supposed to just hang out with you. And then just immediately starts smoking a dupe. Right. My favorite part is that Kim starts to help. And he's like, I don't want it. I told you I don't want any help. And she's, she's like, no, I'm going to help you anyways. And he's like, well, then fuck you. I'm going to sit down and smoke this J real quick. Smoke him. If you're going to do this shit, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to do this shit no more. I mean, to be fair, he didn't shoot up heroin, which is his other response <laughs> well, to problems. All of his heroin so. was gone. He used it all on Janet. If he'd had he heroin, it's quite he possible use, he would he have. He all of it. I think he did. No junkie would have used the last bit of his stash on the well, dying girl. Well, it was in the van. I don't know where yeah. the van is now, okay? All Kim, right, well. Kim gives him a little, uh, a little PSA, just say no. Smoking, that's not going to help, Rick. Yeah, season one of 24 had some real social messages for all of us. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then he, so, he takes he takes like four puffs and puts it out. Like, mm-hmm. What the fuck, man? You can just, just kind of dab that out and keep the... You, you stamp it out with your foot. That's well, Curtis, so- we, we know that Rick is not making the best choices in his life, okay? <laughs> He's just a surfer from San Diego State. He doesn't know what the, what's going on in the yeah, world. But surfers, they, at least, into make, this they mess, at least make man. good choices about weed, okay? That's, that's pushing it. That's More importantly, hole. why is Ira Gaines letting Kim just roam around this compound? Like, he is... She is literally the most important asset he has. Well, well, we do see that there are men with, like, yeah. AR-15s patrolling. The, you didn't see the Metal Gear yeah, Solid guards? we got 15-foot fences with barbed wire and, yeah, and, and she, uh, she cameras has, everywhere. She has no cardboard boxes to hide in and yeah. escape through. So They're on a patrol path that, that Kim can't sneak. She's too dumb to sneak around. It'd be immediately, and she's done. All right, so, so we're gonna we're gonna run through a couple minutes here because we're yep. about twenty minutes in. We need to, we need to just cruise through some dumb shit. So 
Jack lands. Uh, he talks to the security. Uh, he reunites with Terry. Uh, Terry says, don't ever leave me again. Jack says, I promise I won't, which is a promise liar. that is doomed to be broken. Are you, you serious? You fucking liar, Jack. Um, I wrote the same thing. He's going to leave yeah. her later that episode. Yeah. yeah uh, oh. Within 10 minutes. Yeah, within like um, 10 seconds. So Jack and Alan finally meet. And Jack pretty much immediately goes into, into interrogation. Well, mode. they meet because Alan interrupts a very sweet moment between Jack and Terry. They're like hugging and they're like face to face. And Alan's like, oh, you must be Jack. <laughs> well, this this episode really... Cause, so in the last episode, we learned that uh, Gaines killed Dan because he learned from someone close to the situation that uh, Janet was still alive. Who could and that have been? That could only have been suspicious dad, Alan. <laughs> and um, so this episode really goes out of its way to beat you over the head with, like, the fact that Alan is suspicious dad. And, Man, I um, totally missed that. So, so Jack asks him, are you close to Janet? 100% missed it. And Alan's, Alan's only response is, well, she's, she's my, my daughter. daughter. <laughs> right. Like, I, am, I am not a liar. <laughs> She's my daughter. I definitely biologically produced her with my yeah. wife. Hell yeah, for sure. I had um, sex like humans do, and I produced a human daughter, and now I'm a human dad. So anyway, so we get we get through a couple interactions. Jack and Jack and Alan face off. Terry pulls Jack aside. I don't know what you were doing for five hours, but Alan was here with me. And I ha- I'm forced to question. We get a little bit of this answer. Does Terry know what Jack does? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Okay. But, but Kim does, right? Well, uh, Kim does anyone in the government. Sort of. I, don't, okay. I think Kim also sort of knows. I feel like okay. this is a true lies situation, guys, where they think he just sticks behind a desk and he's out there saving lives and ripping off thumbs and they have no clue. Mm. Okay, yeah, so, so you're saying no, we're going to no get some Terry and laundry kind of action later. Tattoos <laughs> can work for the federal government <laughs> as a spy like my dad does. No. Like, no uh, one could okay, take... So, Google Kiefer Sutherland tattoos. No one could take that man seriously. <laughs> okay, so, Jack, uh, there's a, a bullshit interaction where Jack gets a little violent with some guy trying to come on down the hallway with some, some painkillers for his brother. Everyone freaks out. Jack hugs Terry, blah, blah, blah. Um, we cut to 520. Sherry walks out of the shower after eating cleaned up. Um, she asks David Palmer what Carl wanted. <laughs> and Palmer says that, I know about Keith. I know the whole thing. She tries to play a little coy. Yeah, she, she tries to play it off, and he cuts right through her. He knows mm-hmm. that she's lying and uh, wants to know why she did it. Would we say that his raising of his voice counts as a drink? This was a bare raise above the key of C, but I, I think so. I think so. A middle C. I think it's a drink. I, everyone I drink. So. Everyone drink. We all drank. I hope everyone did at home. Um, so basically, we find out that Sherry not only um, hid it from David, and David kind of chalks it up to her own private ambition, but that everyone in the entire family was on board and hiding it from him, including Nicole. And they said, we were protecting you, to which she says, were you protecting me or your chance to move into the White House? Mm-hmm. Burn. Look, I don't know if uh, the Palmer family has a uh, a pet. A dog or a cat or maybe even a bird, but I would venture a guess that probably that pet knows even because it seems like literally everyone other than David Palmer knows this. Well, they don't have a bird because the bird would have spilled the beans over seven years. (laughs) I've seen movies. I know how the birds work. Yeah, it's probably an iguana. So, Curtis, you mentioned in previous episodes that Sherry was sort of like a weird analog for Michelle Obama, like 
seven years before Michelle Obama. How do you feel about Sherry right now? Yeah, yeah, not not my first lady. Uh, that is not Michelle Obama. Ask <laughs> at all. Um, one, if if Barack had come to Michelle Obama with you know this uh, this kind of attitude of I'm better than you, she'd shut that shit down. Oh yeah, oh, yeah he's getting slapped. He's <laughs> getting slapped. You shut your mouth. I do what I had to do. Okay, but also I don't think she'd cover up a murder. I don't think so either. But it, it, well, I, don't, it, I didn't well, get that but out but of the show. If, if she did, no one would find out about it. Curtis, Never. did you just say murder? No one said fault, murder. You're, no, okay, you're right. Righteous, righteous vengeance. Exactly. Please. Please. And here's We're, the thing. We, we should Nicole, not mischaracterize this. Nicole deserved to know, right? I would tell my sister immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I oh, got yeah. him. I got him. Oh, yeah. That's the whole reason you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I stabbed that dude right in the dick and I threw him out a window. <laughs> I feel like the stabbing of the dick would kind of give the whole game away, though. It, there might have been a knife on the ground where he landed that could have, you know, stabbed him in the dick. Oh, it was, it was pointed upward and Dick <laughs> fell right on it. Oh. Dick first, right under that knife. <laughs> so we get we get some interesting power plays between David and, and Sherry. She says, I am just as ambitious as you are. That's why I married you. He says, I married you because I loved you. What a loser. Yeah. <laughs> real, a real dick boy. Does that. <laughs> This guy ain't got what it takes to be president. I'm just kidding. Mm, uh-uh. You know, he, he ain't got the balls. Anyway. Well, as the only one of you talk- three assholes who are single. <laughs> we talked last week. We talked <laughs> last week I'm about this. You got to, if you're running for president, your wife, she can either be like the, the little person who just follows along with whatever you do, or you got to have someone who's just ruthless. Yeah. Right. You At your well, side. Well, her, it's, they have a semi weird interaction right after that. Which is very ruthless, but she says, we should we should do everything we can to stop this from coming out, to which David responds, it's too late for that. And she says, I'm sorry to hear that, um, because you're going to lose a lot more if it comes out. And, like, that ship seems to have sailed. Like, Maureen Kingsley's defo going to publish this story tomorrow. Unless she's dead. Hmm. I'm just Eat saying. Shit, Maureen. I'm just saying. You know, no, I didn't think about that. But right? our our boy David's Me not neither. a murderer. Well, he's not, but we know somebody who does righteous vengeance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey <laughs> Keith! Hey Keith! Kill an innocent reporter. Hey, okay. good. don't start nothing. Don't be nothing. Son. Exactly. She's exactly. the one brought this shit up. You know. Okay, so it's now five twenty-seven in the morning. We cut back to Rick and Kim, and um, Kim has finally apparently realized that. She has a mother who loves her, and she's a very privileged white girl who should really appreciate her her uh, family unit. And I she's... just love this interaction though because oh. Kim spends she's she actually tells Rick like, "Oh, I hate my mom basically, and I, I I couldn't wait to be away from her." And then he's like, "Oh, it must be nice to have a mom you like." And it's like, "Bitch, I just finished telling you how much I hate my mom." But he could see right through her. Yeah, he that's knows. true. That's like true. Privileged girls, but they both did agree that they hate their friends. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Janet, 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 and, and David and, and, and uh, Douche were just the worst. They were yeah. just the worst people. I mean, so. to be fair, we didn't really get to know Janet. Other than that, like we've learned a lot about her that she's a fucking Terminator who will just stand up from being hit hit by a Z Rock. Um, but as a person, we don't know much about Janet other than she just wanted to get laid with some some real men, not boys, for once. That, that yeah. is true. So. Just as Kim and Rick kind of come to point of consensus on their mommy issues, and Kim <laughs> tries to say they need to escape, Ira Gaines comes to grab her and tells Dan that, sorry, and tells Rick that when he comes back, 
his friend better be in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, hey guys, funny story. So the X-ray on Amazon actually listed uh, Dan Mounts as still in the yes. scene. Yes. <laughs> oh, poor Dan Mounts. Oh, that's so good. You know yeah. what? He got an he got he got a cut an extra episode worth of pay though for being yeah. dead on the ground. That's pretty True. good. Okay, brain. so yeah. we cut back to Jack. He calls Nina. Finds out that the body in the trunk was killed between eleven and midnight, as we talked about before. Which again. Jack says, that was right before we got the Palmer tip. Uh, so this body has been in the trunk of a car on the streets of L.A. Mm-hmm. for between five and six hours. Yeah. It's a dry, it's dry air there, though. <laughs> it's dry. <laughs> so uh, Nina tells Jack that they are running s- tissue samples for DNA, and they're going to put Jamie on it because Jamie's a computer hacker. And knows how to run fucking DNA profiles. What's that? Fuck, what? <laughs> I just, I just, I don't, like, it honestly doesn't make any goddamn sense. It really doesn't. Look, you just need, you need all hands on deck. We need to figure out who this guy is. Dude, it's a database just, search. It just, it literally no. just compares data points. You can't do no, it No, we faster. need everyone, we need everyone in the CTU <laughs> office to come into this morgue area and stick their hands in this fucking body. Except for Tony. <laughs> Tony, you just follow Nina no, and Jack Tony. around and see what they're up to. <laughs> Everyone stick a finger in this body, put it in your mouth, and then tell me who it is. Find a hole and figure it out. Yeah. I don't give a shit. This this tastes tastes like a guy named Steve. Alright, so it is now find a hole and figure it out. That's the uh the new motto of this podcast. Uh, I we mean, found our title already. That's, that's essentially the the line open a socket. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it is now 5.30. We uh, come back to the hospital. Terry and Alan are discussing how uptight Jack is, which, to be fair, <laughs> pretty uptight. And um, we, again, confirm that Terry and Terry doesn't really know what Jack does. But Jack finally reveals... Well, Jack takes her for a walk and, for some re- reason, reveals the entirety of the fucking plot of the show that there is a plot against Senator David Palmer. Circle of Trust grows again. Yeah. To his to his wife though, this is not a member of CTU no. with with the security clearance. Yeah. This is just his wife. Just so, who's who's in panic mode because yeah. she can't find her and surprisingly, daughter. Surprisingly, surprisingly she she freaks the fuck out. Well, not surprisingly, again, Terry re- reacts appropriately. <laughs> and again, I have <laughs> Terry and Tony are the only people in this fucking show who have their heads screwed on straight. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I don't like either of them, but they they are the only people in this show who are like, yeah, things are not correct in the world right now. But I, I will say, yeah. so Jack has a pretty emotional reaction to telling Terry that Kim has been kidnapped because of his role at CTU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a real heart to heart. Terry does not take her hand off of his chest. Just right in the heart there. Yeah. And then, and then they hug and they're just sad about it. But um, I noticed that these two great despians, betwixt neither of them, they squeeze out one goddamn tear. Just one. Jack doesn't have time for tears, Curtis. Yeah. What's Terry's excuse? <laughs> She's all cried out, man. Yeah, Jack well, ain't got to... Jack does not have any time to squeeze out that Emmy juice, okay? I, I assume that whatever chemicals they use for her perm has just rendered her inability to create tears. Listen, Terry already won an Emmy for, or an Oscar for her role in Toy Story as Woody, so fuck. Um, so we see 
we see uh, Jack and Terry kind of hugging and crying it out from Suspicious Dad's angle, and we get a weird look from him. He kind of gives like a he he glances back and then just gives like a weird angry like like a scowl at him. It's very odd. Alan is now suspicious of Jack. There's something going. There's something going on <laughs> oh, Dad, between do, these two. Oh, okay, Dad, how do you feel about Alan at this point? Uh, I mean, not having picked up that he uh, he tipped off Gaines. I still don't like the guy. There's just something off. Fair enough. About him. Fair yeah. enough. So it's now. Is it because his face is stupid? Because he's got a stupid face, right? He stupid does, face. He does have a dumb face. He, yeah, he kind of looks like the dude, the, the dude from Seinfeld who uh, Newman was played hockey that dated Elaine. Oh, oh, the dentist, right? No, um, Putty. No. Putty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, looks like Putty. Putty. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, huh. first of all, he's the Putty's finest- a murderer, by the way. <laughs> what? Yeah, you guys bet you didn't see that episode of Seinfeld. Factcheck.org. Aside. (laughs) That man has taken someone's life through his bare hands. Like the wait, okay. the guy with the voice? Well, first of all, Patrick, Patrick Warburton, Warburton is David David yeah. Patrick Putty. Warburton is David the Putty. finest actor on this planet. I don't care what you say <laughs> or who you are, he's my yeah, favorite person on the whole world. Is he I mean he was in that show with uh David Spade, so that puts him down a couple notches in my book. I'm sorry. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. And he's na- not named Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not named Nicolas Cage or Keanu Reeves, so he can't be the finest actor of our generation. That's fair. Anyway, so it's now 5.38. We cut back to CTU. Uh, G- hey, don't anyway me. How about Kush and I, uh, on a Saturday night, got shushed in a jazz bar for arguing about how great Tom Hanks was? What? Who's, who argues yeah. that? I mean, who argues, who argues against that? Yeah, who argues against that? To be fair, I was arguing against it because how I- How dare you? What? I wasn't- Okay, well, this is a misrepresentation of the argument, and also not- necessarily totally great for this podcast <laughs> maybe, maybe not wait, we'll, no. ed- we'll edit this out in post edit out in post. no no i want to go back how okay hey no, okay. you know what let's, Here, let's <laughs> fucking break it down okay <laughs> here it is <laughs> i said tom hanks could do no wrong yeah could and disagreed. i said tom hanks choosing to be captain sully sullenberger means fucking nothing because oh yeah oh ooh, great oops national hero Sully Sullenberger. I'll play that role. No drama, you know, no nothing, no story. Yeah, I'll do that, no problem. You anyway, know what, it's not you know 538. We could be a million CTU. times worse than Tom you know Hanks what, in that though? role. He fucking nailed it. Michael, nailed it. Michael, I will give you $15 if you saw that movie. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that movie. Yeah, I saw that movie. It was, so it was very much. Bad. Eat a million shits. Anyway. <laughs> that's because I don't see any movies. That doesn't count. That doesn't Michael, mean anything. It is now 538. We come back to CTU. <laughs> This is a show about 24, not me and Tom Hanks. Uh, God damn, this is my favorite episode of this show so far. Hey, Michael, can you tell me what time it is? It's 5.38 and we're on our way back to CTU, God damn it. Exactly. You're wrong, Kush. Slash Hanks. Curtis, I will. Oh, wrong. boy. Okay. Jesus. Wrong. Okay. okay, wrong. Go back. Go back. Go Jesus, creasers. Anyway, it is 5.30. We come back to CTU. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, our hacker with she of the middle midriff, is about to crack the outer shell of decryption, which means fucking nothing. Are you serious? <laughs> Nina Myers. She's Jamie. about to crack the outer candy shell of this M&M. 
She's gonna get into that chocolatey center. So Jamie, oh goddamn it, is so dumb. Jamie says that to Nina, who says you said that two hours ago, which I honestly don't remember if she was working on the car two hours ago. So and she was, she definitely was, and yeah, it's been way too long. So she's had her chance. So Nina pulls Jamie off of the key card and says, "We need your help IDing this body that forensics has," uh, and says that they've pulled in an outside contractor named Milo to help crack the key card. And guys, I have to ask, given recent events, has there any, has there ever, other than Milo Notice, been a good Milo on the history of the planet? No, and these two guys look a lot alike, him and the child molester. Right. Yeah, no, there's no good Milos. Except, yeah, you're right, except Milo Notice. That, that's it, man. Yeah, Milo yeah. and Otis, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. yeah. I, Milo, Milo and well, Stitch. Well, wait a minute, isn't No, it, that's Lilo I, and well, Stitch. There's the, there's, the, there's, the, um, there's the dude from This Is Us, the... <laughs> Okay, fuck off. Anyway, um, so they go to decode. They go to sorry, Curtis. What were you gonna say? Milo Ventimiglia is a good man. He seems like a good person. Okay, but now he's got a stupid mustache. Who the fuck is Milo Ventimiglia? He was on Heroes. Now he's on Parenthood or some bullshit. Anyway, uh, so. Nina pulls uh, Jamie good to go decode some Wait, wait, can we back up for a second? <laughs> no. no, Michael, goddammit, we have a team, we have a podcast to record. I don't, this is, we're not the AV club. We're not going to talk about every fucking TV show on the fucking planet. No, no, no are I want to talk about Milo. But th- this, This Is Us is a phenomenal show, though. Well, Look, I want to talk about Milo. Go to NBC.com and watch This Is Us. Guys, fuck off. We're talking about 24. Jesus Look. Christ. Look, I don't understand why Milo can be trusted just because he's an outside contract hire. This doesn't make any sense. Okay, okay. he's not part of the CTU. Yeah, I get that. Which means he he has zero fucking allegiance to anything. Right, but he's not part of CTU, which means he's not part of the plot, which means they can be trusted of... of, Okay, anyway. uh, (laughs) As Nina pulls Jamie to go check out the forensic file, uh, we see that Tony is very clearly watching like a hawk and goes to walk away to someone else to maybe report on Nina and Jamie. Who knows? Who cares? Anyway, we cut back to David Palmer, who is now West Wing, walking through his hotel. Curtis, you would get that reference if you watch the west wing and he knocks on a hotel room door and wakes up the only person in the show who has been sleeping apparently so he knocks on this guy's door and he's knocked fuck out right Mm -hmm. palmer's day starts at six what the hell is this chief of staff doing still asleep it's 5 45 in the goddamn morning you should be up getting the schedule this is the only man in the palmer staff and or family who has slept a wink (laughs) other than keith who got maybe 30 minutes of tv sleeping palmer says i was hoping to keep you out of it Mike, his chief of staff says, you're running for president. Nothing's private. It's not a private matter. You can't keep me out of it. So we cut back to the hospital. Jack gets a call just as Janet is being moved to the ICU. It's Nina. She says they found a -a one-of-a-kind surgical pin in John Doe's ankle. And Jack responds, it can be traced to the orthopedic surgeon who implanted it. And Oded, I know that you work in orthopedic sales. You are a medical device guru, as it were. Does this work? Yes, actually, this is yeah. 100% accurate. Uh, very, very exciting. They nailed the terminology down. I work for a medical device manufacturer, and they said all the right words. They said it was a custom pin in our John Doe, and custom pins have, have uh, very specific numbers assigned to them, which you can read. Uh, and then you can track that back 
to the doctor and the manufacturer, and they can track that down to the exact patient and what their name was, what date was the surgery. Incredible, because if they said if it was just a, a standard implant, you can't do anything with that. They'd actually said, hey, this was a custom pin, and just hats off to all the writers at 24. They nailed it. Uh, they clearly I mean, spent the entire realism here. the entire season of writing. They spent uh, just getting this one part right. Well, guys, I, but I they think, nailed I think, that part. Nailed I it. think that we can assume that the level of realism involved in in you know orthopedic pins um, really just equates to the rest of the season, and all of this is just one hundred percent factual. I yeah, we we should not fact check anything else. Just we could just assume that everything is right. Yeah, from here on out. Yeah, other yeah. other it's that and then Michael just checking the music scores to see what Well, what yeah, I mean and like. now that we're past Palmer's <laughs> lying about all of his basketball acumen. Yeah, now that we know we know that the one big lie of the season. So anyway, yeah. Janet got moved to the ICU, so everyone jumps on an elevator, they go to see her. Uh we cut back to uh David Palmer in in uh, his chief of staff Mike suite and Palmer has apparently had time in the last minute and a half to break down the entirety <laughs> of the uh, scandal involving Keith Nicole and uh, his uh, political operative Carl and um, Mike's response is uh, well you're you are textbook unelectable <laughs> yeah yeah and then Palmer says okay so I'm right to want to pull out of the race. And Mike says, "You never ever pull out, right? Yeah, ever. never pull Pulling out. Pulling out is a terrible thing. Yeah, because then it just makes a mess. When you hey. pull out, it makes a mess. Yeah. So and it's just sticky. Guys, exactly. I feel, tells them to I stay feel like in. You, all, you all made it very sexual. Which I don't know what you're talking about. There is no sexual. We're talking about we're talking about the political race. Pulling out here. or not pulling out. You yeah. never ever pull out. You never pull out ever. of the political race because it yeah, gets messy. Ever you made a commitment. Yeah. All right, exactly." You you yeah. finish, right. finish what and you it, started. And it well, feels Curtis. too good to be in that political race. Curtis, yeah. Curtis you're going to finish. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me you're going to finish, fella. <laughs> anyway, so Mike feels that Palmer can come back from this as long as he yeah, gets out of it. Yeah, he will come back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this show's over. I quit this podcast. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta get out and you gotta get out in front of it. Uh, you gotta, you gotta make sure everyone knows that you're gonna finish. All right, you horny boys. Anyway, so basically, Mike makes the argument that we're, we're gonna run through a little bit here. So Mike says that, uh, like it or not, fair or not, you're making history. You're the most important presidential candidate this country has seen in a long time. And the important thing is that you didn't cover up. You didn't cover it up. You didn't know. To which Palmer says very fairly. What does that say about me if I didn't know that my son conducted righteous vengeance on my daughter's uh, rapist? Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife covered it up. My yep. daughter, who was attacked, covered it up. Yep. What does that say about David Palmer? My family, <laughs> my family iguana, didn't say anything about it to me. Nobody said shit about it. And by the mm-hmm. way, a little voice crack came through when he said, what does that say about me? I thought, mm-hmm. I thought I'd never hear it. Well, and it did. So I, I want to get y'all's take on this, given the uh, very recent election. Um, mm-hmm. Mike says, I'm not saying it's not a hard sell, but the election is still six months away and the voters know how to forgive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Y'all heard about emails? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're, <laughs> let's not compare for, emails to righteous one vengeance. of the candidates. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Emails. Donald emails. Trump has done nine worse things than David Palmer has done, <laughs> and he is and he is our GD president. and I respect that office. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I, re- I respect the office of fake presidencies. Fair enough. So Mike You're basically says that Palmer needs to admit this at the breakfast that he's attending with his labor leaders, which I would love to kind of attend <laughs> and just be like, oh, um, P.S. My kid killed someone. And uh, let's really just break down unions and uh, <laughs> regulations and whatnot. <laughs> We're going to make the union strong again. And... My kid carried out righteous vengeance on my daughter's murderer or on my daughter's rapist. And uh, we're going to just really bring back jobs to to you guys. Don't it's all about it. it's all about jobs. Also, Keith is Wait, over there you, for questions. Bye. Did you <laughs> did you say righteous vengeance? Mm. Uh, mm. I no, I don't. You must have you must yeah. have heard me say something about you. Uh, you said righteous yeah. vengeance. People yeah, you, those, those are your words. Not mine. You're using yeah. my words to to make me look bad. Right. right. So, so I do feel like the advice that he gave was fantastic advice. It was come out ahead of the story, apologize, get it over with. If more people did that, if you just come out and say, hey, this thing happened. It was wrong. It's never going to happen again. I don't condone uh, righteous vengeance when I know about well, it, it. It'll never happen again unless it. one of you no. dum-dums makes a move on my daughter and then my <laughs> son will kill you. See, I disagree. Yeah, I, mean, I disagree. I feel like look, instead gauntlet, of saying gauntlet thrown, don't don't hard R my daughter yeah. and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I'm that's saying. It. Like, I feel like he shouldn't apologize for shit. Um, so Mike's one word of advice to David, which seems v- pretty legit, is when you come clean, which I don't really David didn't do anything. Um, be damn sure your family is standing next to you, which what are the odds of that happening in this situation? Are you serious? <laughs> Everyone is just laughing. The, the, who would do what? When oh, Dad's just drinking. No, no one has an answer. I don't care if I come clean or come dirty. I don't need my family around me. <laughs> okay, Curtis, that's the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life. Holy shit. <laughs> Your family needs to be far away from that situation, no matter what. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't okay, know, Curtis. Well, I don't want to hear. I don't hear what anyone else has to say because Curtis. Curtis, you ended up with two children, so your family must have been somewhere nearby. You are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> this is the grossest. Uh, this podcast is done. No, gross. Anyway, uh, no, we haven't even hit the plot twist yet. Okay, anyway, it's, okay, it's now five forty-three. Our uh, surgeon is walking with suspicious dad, Alan. She says, "There's no spinal injury," and Janet just went into uh, cardiac arrest during uh, their, you know, surgery stuff because that happens sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, you know, you just go into cardiac arrest because. You had a broken arm and got hit by a car and possibly did a boatload of heroin. fully wrecked by a car. But she says, the doctor says that Janet should be okay in about six hours. And uh, guys, Jack does not have six hours to wait for Janet to be okay. Um, So he says he wants to ask a few questions. And the doctor says that it's up to Alan if uh, Jack can ask her questions. And uh, he wants to check on her first. I just don't see, I don't know, I mean, I've never been in this situation before, but I I can't imagine that the doctor would leave it up to the dad, right? Like, that seems like a doctor's call. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. But it's not as good for the plot. Well, to be fair, to be (laughs) fair, the father is the medical decision maker. 
Okay, I'm going to stop my medical nerd stuff now. Go ahead. Well, there but it is. is he Game the father, over. Curtis? So Alan walks down mm-hmm. through the hallway. Um, Jack and Terry walk away and say, Jack asks Terry, hey, you know what we should do when this is over? We should take that that road trip up the coast of Canada we've always been yeah. to do. Yeah. And, um, and Jack gets a phone call and he tells Terry, oh, uh, it's just Nina. It's fo- She's following up on something. And, uh, guys, oops, it's not Nina, it's fucking Ira Gaines. Hello. Ira Gaines. And, uh, Ira says, do what I tell you, Jack, and you might see your daughter again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was such a convoluted... Okay, so we have to get leverage onto one CTU agent, so we're gonna kidnap his daughter, but use... Like subsidiary kidnappers who aren't very good at their jobs and they're going to sit on these girls for a couple hours and mess things up. And then we're going to get Kim and then we're going to kind of talk to Jack about that. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. And then I realized, oh, well, we got 24 episodes here. And well, yeah, because like the, the, they didn't know that they were going to end up at this hospital. Like this, this clearly wasn't part yeah. of the plan for right. Janet to get hit by an IROC and show up at the hospital. Yeah, it's a pretty fast hack. To yeah. be able to get into all the computers and they don't the, even uh, the have systems. They don't even have right, cause, fucking cause Jamie. Because can see every single security camera that's on Jack and they've planned, this entire yeah, and time. And they planted a car there. Well, the car, car, again, again, a, though, a to be fair, and yeah, so we'll find earpiece. out that there there are people there watching Jack. In addition to the cameras, the security cameras watching Jack. But again, this is this kind of goes to that weird dichotomy of a terrorist organization who has the resources to help a planted like operative blow up a plane and escape that plane but then also has to rely on two at least one student from san diego state university and his (laughs) stoner friend uh (laughs) kidnap the daughter of a federal agent uh it's it's like a weird (laughs) if your plot involves anyone from san diego state university things have gone unless it's marshall falk unless it's marshall yeah unless your plot is to win so if, if, uh, if you're the fucking if you're the Rams and you need a fucking cool ass running back, then yeah. So anyway, we see a f- so out of nowhere a fuck ton of nurses appear all on the phone as Jack is trying to trace the source of this call. Gaines tells Jack to walk away from his wife Terry, or Kim gets a bullet. Which in he the head. promised he wouldn't do. Yes, exactly. So Jack has yeah. to immediately yeah. break a promise, leave Terry. Uh, Jack very slowly moonwalks away from her in the uh, most the awkward backing away ever yeah and terry does not move at all okay so terry does not move for the next uh approximately 12 minutes because we come <laughs> we cut back to her at 555 and she's in the same spot same position same location same everything it's the worst anyway so jack moon walks away the doctor allows alan to go up and visit janet alone because uh Basically, she doesn't want to upset Janet too much. So, mm-hmm. Alan walks in. He says, hey, looks like you've had a tough day. Uh, guys, what does what does Janet say to Alan, her father? Who are Where's, you? Oops! Mm. Where's guys, my father? I don't father? think that he's her father. Mm. Yeah, um, I oops, told he, you. I told you. The law and order rule is never fucking wrong. Oops, he, yeah. oops, he kills her. He's, he, like, suffocates her real, real good. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, as puts his DNA all up on just, that, just, you know? just so yeah, guys, so, no, that's not again, possible in an ICU. That's bullshit. But still, so so right. very many, very many things are wrong with this scene. One, <laughs> uh, 
she scratches the ever-loving shit out of his wrist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she yeah. has his DNA, his exact DNA under her fingernails. Mm-hmm. Um, he reaches over and just turns off the, like, computer to monitor with, like, her, like, the heart rate monitor on the it. Vitals. Which, yeah. again, her vital monitor on it, which I know people, like, Curtis, I know your wife works in the hospital. I yep. know yep. people have worked in the hospital. Turning the computer monitor off does not turn off the alarm at the no. nurse's station. Nope. He doesn't even turn right. it off. He just turns right. off the sound. A yeah. zillion, like a zillion people would be rushing into her in the hospital. Yeah. A it's zillion people. You can't just you can't just secretly kill someone in their hospital bed. <laughs> no, because you turn the sound down. Well, on no, their if computer you screen. if you close the door, oh dead. Uh, we have no idea if you're flatlining. We're dying right. it's also, in the ICU. So, we have no clue. Sorry, we closed the door. We didn't hear you. Also, the doctor earlier had said that Janet had multiple fractures on her arms and legs. And Janet is just one that has no casts or slings or anything. And is just flipping the fuck out trying to fight off Alan, which is very not fun. But anyway, uh, she dies, which is unfortunate. Alan walks out. It's a 547 p.m. A.M. <laughs> it is 5.47 a.m. Uh, and now we cut back to Terry, five minutes later, sitting in the exact same spot that Jack <laughs> called her with. And uh, Jack is still on the phone with Ira Gaines, and he's moving to a car in the garage. He gets in. A Ford, a, a shitty Ford, Ford Taurus. Taurus. A Ford fucking Taurus, the man. And guys, Taurus. this is way before Ford's so clearly sponsored the show, it'll make you sick, because Curtis, <laughs> around, around season four and five, you're gonna hate fucking Ford. Oh yeah, God. I already, I already, I already don't like Ford. So Jack, we'll see Jack's, how it goes. Jack's just like, hey, I'm gonna hop in my Ford, drive over it, and get in this other Ford. Actually, guys, Ford. This, it's a good point. Um, we should probably call our shot as far as advertisers go right now. So, real quick, can you guys give me who do you want to sponsor this show? Nokia. Okay. Oh, Dad. Okay, you're off the show, <laughs> Michael. Hello. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Buffalo Trace? Curtis. Scotch. <laughs> just, just, just the idea of Scotch. You want the idea of Scotch to promote the show. Correct. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, like, oh, by the way. Like Scotch hold- people? Like the entire people? Nope, just Scotch. Get- I don't give a damn if it's tape or if it's people. (laughs) Okay. Oh my god, guys! I am not looking forward to editing this podcast at all. (laughs) Well, this is all left in, by the way. Also, hello, Elon Musk. I love your work. You're the best. I'd like to go to Mars with this podcast, Mm -hmm. idiots. Anyway, (laughs) yeah. Good. Good luck with that. Yeah. Anyway, so Jack is on the phone. He he's talking to Gaines. He gets into the. You think it's a problem for me to get a Nokia phone, but you're going to get a trip to Mars with this podcast. (laughs) Fuck off. Oh, Dad, they just re released the Nokia 3100. You can play Snake to your fucking heart's content for seven dollars. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. going to. Anyway, the podcast we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Gaines lets Jack hear from Kim. So now Jack knows that. Gaines has Kim. Uh, Jack opens up the glove box of the Silver Ford Taurus, puts in an earpiece, and uh, Gaines tells him to throw his phone out the window. And uh, Jack pretends to. He hangs up, and uh, we realize that Gaines tells him to throw it out the window because Jack is on camera in multiple different places, both in the car and someone is tailing him. Yeah, this is basically a combination of speed and taken. 
And he actually says, Jack Bauer says, if you hurt my daughter, I will kill you. So the original Liam Neeson in Taken is 24. Right. And I realized something in this. I was like, you know, I just remembered that the daughter in Taken's name is Kim. You do not get a federal agent on the phone and tell him that you have his daughter named Kim. Also, you heard it here first. Don't name your goddamn daughter named Kim because she'll (laughs) fucking get kidnapped and you'll have to go do some real shit to get her back. But 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 the person who took who took her is gonna die. So yeah, don't true. take cams, man. Just don't do it. Okay. So Ira Gaines tells Jack to go to CTU. So he's on. Jack is on his way back. So it's now five fifty four. We cut back to Alan and Terry. Alan tells he uh, he kind of scares Terry, who's calling, who's trying to call Jack and gets a busy signal. Um, that Janet told him as she, he was murdering her. <laughs> Uh, that there were two boys who were, got a little aggressive and they were holding them both at a house up in Bel Air. And, um, basically he gives her the address and says, we should give this to the police. To which Terry says, Jack is the police. I'll let him know. And, uh, Alan just says, I'll take you there since Jack's not available. And, and, uh, Janet's going to be asleep. So he's. There's so many fucking problems with this. I mean, I know that we're onto Suspicious Dad because he clearly just murdered someone, but Terry should also be awake to the fact that, oops, Suspicious Dad. Well, like, he's leaving leaving his daughter that just came out of surgery to go on a wild goose chase that you could just call the police to fix. And he suggests taking it to the police, and she's like, no, no, let's not do that. Let's not go to the police, even though we have police, like, fucking crawling around this place right now. I can't find but Jack, then, so therefore I'm going to leave the hospital and not tell anyone because I can't find Jack all of a sudden. Yeah, but then fast forward. So so his Alan's plan is just to be in the car with Terry so that he can kidnap her, too. They have more leverage on Jack. But this motherfucker was with Terry in the car for like three whole episodes and didn't do anything there. Right. It makes no sense. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, get to, we'll get to that in, in a quick second. Yeah, it's just... The whole thing is silly, and so we cut back to Rick and Kim. Rick is dragging his dead friend to the hole <laughs> a million feet away. Um, Kim comes back, and they kind of talk about... Kim says that Jack will find her, no matter what. She doesn't think it's about money, but that her dad will will figure it out, and they'll find Kim and Rick. And save both of them, even though if I were Jack... Rick's not top on my saving list. Oh no, he's getting stabbed right in the dick. Mm-hmm. I would, I would um, shackle him to a, a chair and start electrocuting him. Well, Oded, you're jumping Taken ahead style. a couple seasons. <laughs> oh, I was just referring to Taken. I was about to say, that's where, all I took. <laughs> where he he takes him from the Rue de Paris again. Spoiler alert, 24 really paved some ground for the f- the action genre. Anyway, it is now 5.58. We meet our new independent contractor, Milo, who has taken over the hacking of the key card. He's just kind of snacking on some stuff. And we get some really stupid tech talk about, you know, hacking and whatnot. And uh, just to prove Guys, that he's smarter than Jamie. I looked up S-Box Inversion. Turns out that might be a real thing. Yeah, probably. An X S box is a is a I have actually one. The, it, I have an, I have an Xbox 360. <laughs> that's, a, that's an Xbox, Kush. Xbox. Oh, I also have I also have an Xbox One. <laughs> I a hundred percent buy it. I mean, the attention to detail on the surgical implant little plot that had nothing to do with anything. I, I think season one twenty four was really paying attention to this kind of thing. And Brian Glazer 
uh, producer of Apollo 13. I mean, this guy, also producer of, of 24, he gets it. Uh, Nina hangs up the phone while that whole conversation is going in and tells Jamie that her hunch about the AMA database paid off and they have identified John Doe. Um, so we cut back to the sun finally rising in Los Angeles and a car driving through the hills of Los Angeles. As they're driving up through the uh, to over to Bel Air, Terry notices some cuts on Alan's wrists and says, "Ooh, what happened there?" And he's like, "Oh, I've always had those. I definitely didn't get them killing my not my <laughs> fake daughter. No big deal." Uh, and Terry gets a call from Nina because she can't reach reach Jack after forty five seconds, so she calls his wife and then proceeds to tell her. Some very classified information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if God you, she tells. If well, you so ever talk to Jack, before here's some get, information I before have. Before we get all that, I will say, so we get the seeds of some some mistrust, I guess, because Terry says, I thought Jack called you three minutes ago. I thought the call was from you. Nina says, no, I haven't spoken to him in more than half an hour. And Nina says, well... When you see him or talk to him, give him a message. We ID'd the John Doe. The murder victim is named Alan York. And dun, dun, while Terry responded very appropriately previously to some like emotional outbursts, she was very calm to learn that she is now in the car with a murderer who is oh, uh, allegedly. Well, she doesn't dead. know but he's a murderer. She just knows instincts. that he's a dead guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she pissed her pants. Just quietly. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that's okay. That's fine. A little dribble. That's all right. You know, so, but, we've all done but that. But so Terry now knows that suspicious dad is very, very suspicious dad. But doesn't say anything to Nina to let her know that she is in the car with this supposed quote unquote Alan York. And I don't know that I would either because I mean, I don't know how I would handle learning like, if, if there was a killer, or a potential killer next to me, how I'd respond to someone who could oh, help me find hey, that killer. Here's an idea. Be like, hey, oh, that's great news. Uh, I'm in the car with Alan right now, so when I see Jack, I'll let him know that information, because me and Alan are driving up to Bel Air. Boom. Not that fucking hard. And then Nina would be like, well, that's weird. She shouldn't be with Alan, because he's fucking dead. Yeah, you say that in the comfort of your own couch, three bourbons down. I think that it's it's panic time, and she handled herself pretty well. It's comfort of I your give, own I couch, three bourbons down, 16 years after the fact. Okay. <laughs> You've had a lot of time to think about this, Howard. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think she did very well, and I, I'm excited to see how she handles it next episode, because then it will prove to me, as the mother of Kim... To watch how she handles herself in this this situation, it's nature versus nurture. We're gonna find out if if Kim got that dumb just by DNA. Okay, so, so Curtis, alert. I, I, they're I both have... fucking awful. Wait, no, Michael, you ruined it. I was gonna ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear what he said. It was kind of mumbled anyway, so we're good. Well, well, thank God. So, Curtis, I do have some questions. So, okay, three questions. One, after seeing this episode. Where are you at with with Sherry Palmer? She's been uh, pretty low key up until now. I like her. You like her. I think she's willing to do what it takes to win. Okay. You know, so that's a woman who'll have your back. Where Where would you see Sherry Palmer? What, what would be too far for her? What do you think? Hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, child murder is always a little too far for me. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Always... This took a 
very <laughs> grim. A, a little. Push it. Yeah, okay. A little. Uh, uh, um, uh, no. Uh, no. Edit note. R- <laughs> a raise question too. <laughs> Okay, okay, if Sherry Palmer murders a child with her bare hands, okay. is a she a bad person? <laughs> well, I think Curtis would say yes, but was the child, you know, 19 years old? Yeah. Then probably not. No, if, here's what I'll say. So if she goes, if she tries to kill Maureen, you know, I'd say maybe let the free press be the free press and, and don't try to murder a woman for doing her job. But we'll, Does we'll she have happens. to try to murder her with her bare hands or sh- or if she tries to have her murdered does that still make I her think, a bad person if she tries that- to murder her i don't think she's the woman that i believe she is right she's okay. i think she's a boss so if he sends someone to murder her then that's you know that shows you're a boss but then also your morals are a little off <laughs> okay well, a little off well, yes. a dead smidgen Oh, Dad, you've you've uh, taken a couple episode hiatus from from uh, the podcast where you where you see in the next where you, where do you think the next couple episodes are going? Well, I mean, things are about to go, in my opinion, off the rails. I mean, Jack Bauer knows that his daughter has been kidnapped, and now he's going to be played by this terrorist. And I mean, I have no clue. You think? You think? It's very exciting. You think it's about to pop off, though? I think that Jack's about to break some some protocol. Yeah, I mean, so Curtis, yeah, that's uh, oh, Dad brings up an interesting point. So Jack now knows that Kim. His one and only love, really, because mm-hmm. you know Terry looks like Woody, um, yeah. is is under the control of terrorists. <laughs> what do you think he will do to to save Kim? Anything. So, so I originally said right that I thought that Jack would be um, a murder storm. It's a Category Five hurricane. Um, but being a parent myself, oh, oh so Curtis, let me let me stop you right there, real quick. Go, go ahead. Jack has nine seasons of murder. Sometimes you come back. Sometimes you're a category one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're a category four, and a two, and then a five again. So just it's bear true. that in mind. It's true, but I think it's as, as a father, I think that Jack is going to plant himself inside of Ira Gaines's facility there and become a murder volcano, just <laughs> dishing out death and destruction to all that are around him without a care in the world to get back his beloved Kim, or as he calls her when he Kimberly when he hears her voice. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about. It. I really hope it happens. Because okay. I want, I, I want to see it. Well, uh, guys, I think I really do think that things are about to fucking. Pop I mean, have you off. guys have have you seen the Mel Gibson movie Ransom? Like that's what we're about to get I, into. Yeah. He's yeah. He's in the car. He has the bad guys on the phone. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I think as we as we enter the six o'clock hour, there's a lot of things coming to a head. This is the start of David Palmer's day. We've been told this for a couple hours now. Six a.m. is when he gets going we get that breakfast with the labor leaders and he may or may not have to tell people that his son killed somebody jack and he's probably gonna now get some orange juice exactly he's gotta get some oj to wake <laughs> up and that's when he gets his threats we all know that jack is about to just fucking go off with ira Gaines and whatever else he has up his sleeve so i think the next couple hours is going to be real real ridiculous so, so one more question please for our newbies who do you think is the mole? Ooh. Because we still have a mole within CTU, and they have not focused on that now for a couple episodes, but they're still there. They're still lingering. And, and some we new- still haven't met Rayburn. So, yeah, we haven't met Rayburn. We haven't. We haven't really met Perry Tanaka. Milo was just introduced. So Curtis, oh, where are you at? 
Milo looks like a douche and they want me to believe that's him. That's red herring. No way in hell. Um, need wow. to, need to see the faces of Perry Tanaka and Rayburn. Especially, where the fuck is Rayburn? They called Rayburn an hour and a half ago. Okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rayburn, where you at? He, you know, didn't have, else, he didn't have a helicopter like Chad. Uh, dude, everybody else got in. You know, Jamie got in. Tony, well, we didn't want him to come in, but he came in. You know, Rayburn, get the fuck there. But I think we haven't, I think we either haven't met them or I'm still on Jamie. All okay. right. Fellas, thank you so much for joining me for The Longest Days Are Alive, episode six. Hours. Trish, I feel like, I feel like this was one of the longest shows of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm dead and I'm in hell and you you are all the devil. <laughs> Joke's on you, buddy. Anyway, y'all, I want to thank you for joining us for The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. You can find our other shows on goodbuddymedia.com. You'll find some show notes and uh, a couple other things on uh, goodbuddy, goodbuddymedia.com slash blog. And uh, Curtis, I know you've been doing some interesting work on uh, YouTube. You want to tell me some more about that? Yeah, so we're getting a YouTube page up and running, guys, for Good Buddy Media. I'm going to go ahead and have some abridged versions of our two podcasts up there for you to listen to on a weekly basis. Um, I got to get my ass in gear to actually get those up there for the for the team, but those will be there for people to peruse and um, see how you like it. And maybe one day, if we get enough folks subscribed to the YouTube channel, you will see our beautiful faces uh, and we'll maybe do some video game Let's Plays. So we'll see what goes on there. Um, other than that, go ahead and subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice, whether that be iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And, you know, just help us out with some likes and some reviews and ratings uh, to get us up there on the charts on all those um, to help Good Buddy Media keep making these podcasts for you. So when you say that we're going to do Let's Plays, do you mean that you're going to, you and Kush are going to watch me play Resident Evil while you guys cower and cry in the background? That's the main plan. Yeah, okay. I will literally cry like the babiest baby of all time. All right. Just making sure. Just making sure that I yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. I don't care. Whatever. I do what yeah. I do. Uh, Michael, how else can people find us on maybe say social media? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at uh, L-D-O-O-L cast um, on both of those. And uh, you can find us on. Uh, that's pretty much it. Just those two. Yes, things. it's those are the two for sure. And Instagram. You can find us on Instagram. Yeah, but we don't really do anything on Instagram. So, I mean, find us there, but. Don't expect much. Anyway, so guys, thank you so much for joining us. Oded, thanks for being a extra special guest. We hope to see you very much more in the future. I really hope you'll join thanks, us guys. every week from here on out. And uh, guys, we're running out of time. Toodles.